Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale June 15, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, a.k.a. AvengerCon announcer. I was just about to say, someone, yeah, 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 yeah. someone's got a, a credit in the MCU, um, and I'm Jasmine Estrada, uh, but we need to talk about this, Ryan. Sure. How did you keep this away from me? How dare you? So look, I've been keeping secrets at Marvel for almost 16 years, and it's an important part of keeping my job for almost 16 years, so... Yeah, whatever. I'm your co-host. How dare you? The people who knew were my wife and daughter. (laughs) It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. I mean, how did this happen? I want to know. So... Sana Amanath, who um, is a longtime friend of mine because she worked at Marvel Comics for many years. Uh, She's now with Marvel Studios and she's executive producer for Marvel Studios Ms. Marvel. And she just texted me one day in, I don't know, January or February of 2021 being like, hey, nerd, do you want to come do something (laughs) cool um, from from Marvel (laughs) Studios Ms. Marvel? Which is not verbatim, but that is if you know Sana I don't know, it sounds um, like you're, her. You are friends with Sana, like, that's just the vibe. And yeah. I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. And so she she explained to me that they had a role for a cosplay contest stage announcer for AvengerCon. AvengerCon is this cool Avengers-themed convention that happens. And they wanted someone, and they were trying to figure out who to cast. And as I've been told... Kevin Feige, who is president of Marvel Studios, producer on all everything MCU, um, someone whom I've also known for my entire time at Marvel, was like, why don't we just have Ryan do this? This mm-hmm. is this is a thing he does for Marvel anyway. Yeah. Uh, it could be a fun little Easter egg, a little cameo. It's one thing to be in a Marvel Studios like project. It's another thing to be an Easter egg in one. Like that's <laughs> I think so it's cool. All- I think it's only an Easter egg to the people who know, which I guess a, a fair you know, number you of people know, you know? know what who I am and what I do. Um, and so I've gotten tons of amazing messages. Okay, but did you get to keep the shirt? Sadly, I did not get to keep uh. my AvengerCon shirt because it's a prop from, you know, it's a piece of costume from the, the series. So See, this is why I need to be your manager. <laughs> and then I can I can make these like, yeah, these types of negotiations happen. Make sure, sure that you get you get the shirt. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, okay. I, we have a bunch. Of, we actually do have a bunch of great AvengerCon merch that is for sale. So if everybody goes to Marvel.com, there's the Marvel must-haves for mm. Marvel Studios. Ms. Marvel has a whole bunch of stuff. You can find it. You can order it. I'll probably order something from AvengerCon. Also, I'll give a plug to Marvel.com because I did a Q&A with Rachel, uh, one of the editors on our site, uh, just about my experience at AvengerCon and being a part of the the first episode of Marvel Studios Ms. Marvel, which was super cool. It couldn't have happened without Sana and Kevin and, and Brad Winderbaum over at Marvel Studios. Just people I've known a long time who are wonderful and make amazing stuff as evidenced by <laughs> everything the MCU is. Uh, and so it's really neat. It's really it is pretty neat. neat. I'm jealous. I'm definitely jealous. Should Look, we talk comics? We should. We should. I think that's that's probably yeah. the best thing to do because this is Marvel's official podcast about Marvel Comics. We run you through every single new comic every week. We give out three picks of the week. We give an award to all the books. Uh, we'll get to that award in a section. We tell you what's hitting Marvel Unlimited, including the Infinity Comics, aka the scrolling vertical comics that are really super terrific. We'll tell you what is available in new collections on sale this week. And on top of all that, we have a reading club. Who's our guest this week? 
we are talking to Josh Trujillo, who is one of the co-creators of Aaron Fisher, uh, who is a Captain America of the railways. Um, and we're going to be talking about the United States of Captain America with him, uh, which this character features. Uh, has he, he wrote a short story for it um, in the first issue. So we'll be exploring that and what Captain America means to him. Very, very cool. And of course, it is Pride Month, so yes. it is a perfect time to talk about Aaron and other great characters. Aaron does have a slight appearance in one of our books, so let's dive into mm -hmm. our picks of the week this week. First up, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, number one. I'll be honest, this one caught me a little off guard by how much I loved it. I so good. I love the hell out of it. It's written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. They previously did the Kang limited series for mm -hmm. us. So good. Uh, yeah. And then art by Marvel Stormbreaker, Carmen Carnero. Mm -hmm. uh, lettering in here by VCs Joe Caramagna. Colors by Nolan Woodard. And one of the things I want to say off the top, the vibe I get from this is the vibe I got from Ed Brubaker's run. Yes. Yes. Uh, particularly because I think what Carmen does fits into connects that style of Steve Epting, but he really brought a little bit darker, edgier vibes to the, the cap, not, not dark in like, it's like gritty. Yeah. It's a little bit grittier, but at the same time with Nolan's colors here and Carmen's art, there's still a lightness to it, especially in the acting. There's a lot of wonderful facial acting moments going on with, Steve Rogers mm -hmm. throughout this. It's terrific. And also, I think Jackson and Colin write a really exciting and interesting, tense, dramatic, action-packed, but also at times light Captain America book. It really does a great job of balancing a number of different tones and feelings while not feeling like they're disconnected. It all feels like parts of a whole, which is a difficult thing to do. Yes. I love that you brought up the Brewbreaker thing because that is something that like immediately popped into my head because that like I, I love Captain America comics and this very much felt in tune with that but also mm -hmm. I don't know like I think the thing I love about Captain America is that he's got so much history and it's so much fun to play with that and poke and like really try to figure out like dissect that what does this mean what is that or like expand on the lore of Captain America agreed the last two pages in here evoked the feelings of the Ed Brubaker run of like big mystery, big mm -hmm. questions, great cliffhangers. I, I am completely thrown in. And we have two Captain America books. And they're both, the first issues were both big picks of the week for us because mm -hmm. they were just damn great. Yes. All right. Next up is my first pick of the week, which is X-Men Red Number 3, written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Blee and Proto Bunkers, Fernando Cipuentes, and letters by BC's Ariana Mayer and okay. This book is just Al Ewing playing like 26D chess. <laughs> like this, this man is moving these players around like a chessboard and really making some like interesting and like huge moves that are making a big splash in the X-Men world right now. And there's multiple moments on this scene. Like there are three main characters who are, are very active on this like X-Men red team, the Brotherhood team, right? We have Storm, Magneto, and Sunspot. And what we see is why each of these players matter to Arako, to the, the planet formerly known as Mars. It's so fascinating how they all work together. I didn't really know how these characters would work together on a team because they are all leaders in their own right. But to see them just making these moves and like one, working together, 
But two, because they are leaders, they almost all have their own game plan. Like we have Storm who kind of like sets this whole thing in motion. We have Sunspot who kind of makes like a, a wild card play that ends up paying off. And then seeing Magneto just finish it. I cannot stress how much I love this book. It's It continues to surprise me. It's taking huge swings. And I'm very excited to see where Elle and the team takes this next issue. Yeah, the... um. There's a moment with the Fisher King character mm-hmm. and Magneto. They're all they're part of the, the Brotherhood squad. And the conversation there, it was it it's this sweet, really cool moment where you can almost feel Magneto who's always tense and always like on guard. You can almost feel him relax and feel comforted mm-hmm. in in someone's words, which is a difficult thing to do because of all he's seen and experienced and and, and suffered from. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was great. This book, X Men Red, is the most Game of Thronesian book. Oh my god, we yes. have, and yes. and I mean that in the absolute best way. There are so many machinations. It is, you know, political but dangerous and scary. And like, you know, that you have these this giant battle that ends in horror and terror and things oh my and you're God. just like your mouth is agape every issue because something happens and you're like i didn't expect them to do that no like the the final battle that happens in this book probably only takes like probably less than a third of the book yeah towards the end but you could have given me an entire issue on just that but al does so much more than that in this issue and it's yeah it's wild our third pick of the week is one we were like, we can't pick this because we pick it all the time. And then true. Jasmine and I just started talking about how good it is and how <laughs> it let's just pick it so we can have this conversation yeah. on the show. It is Wolverine number 22, which is probably the third issue in a row we've picked. Yes, definitely. Like. definitely. Yeah. Um, it is written by Benjamin Percy, art by Adam Kubert, colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And man, I, I say it all the time. Every time we have a book by Adam Kubert. Mm-hmm. You just look at it and go, this is someone doing something they don't need to do. Adam has been at uh, the highest level for Marvel Comics, for comics in general, for decades. He's still flexing. He is yes. still like pushing and doing things that no one else is doing. I can't help but look at what Adam does in this book and just be like, it's unconscionable how good he <laughs> is and how much he just pushes and cares about it and the same thing goes for benjamin percy because ben is he absolutely adores like writing these gnarly characters this book focuses on wolverine and deadpool with a little bit of blind al and maverick and weasel so characters that are just in some stuff together Mm -hmm. but you can tell he's having fun and tell he's like really cares about it and tell he's having a blast working with Adam. The two of them are so simpatico together. Yeah, I can only imagine what their conversations are like. Like, he's probably like, all right, Adam, this issue is going to be pretty wild, but here you go. And then Adam's just like looking at the script like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, hold my beer. And then just like destroys it. Yeah. Uh, There's, you know, one part where Wolverine and Deadpool are stuck in a cell together. Mm -hmm. And Deadpool is annoying Wolverine. First, Wolverine just pops his claws in a Deadpool's head. So yeah. also kids get your parents permission to read this. One. <laughs> it's just a little <laughs> gnarly. Uh, but then you see this, the, these four panels of Wolverine just going into Deadpool and the sound effects are squelch 
and slunch mm-hmm. and it's there's blood splatter and you the you flip to another page and Wolverine has sliced part of Deadpool's torso off so he can <laughs> squeeze him through the bars of the the yes. cell so Deadpool can then pull himself and and sort of like grab and hop himself up to press a button it is so darkly funny and horrifying and great and i can just imagine adam looking like you say looking at it and go i got this yeah this like is gonna work. you think this is crazy wait till i finish this drawing yeah um there there's like a two-page spread that is that adam uses slices of panels to break it up in just in a way that is wonderful so he he allows for motion and momentum but also like within the context of paneled comic book storytelling it is tremendous. The final page on this one sets us up for what's going to come next issue and the location. I'm just like, oh, hell yeah. They must be having a blast on this book. It is multiple creators at the peak of their abilities and then pushing further. And I, I can't stress enough how much I love Wolverine right now. So good. And those are our picks of the week uh, this week. But Ryan, are you ready to talk about our fabulous fresh floppies? I am ready. But before that, we got to get some award talk. So last week we were giving out the Dragon with the Glass Jaw Award, which was in Marauders number three. If you haven't found it, that's where it's located. And we had a couple of people reach out and they got it. They found it right away. But congrats to Evil Space Cow for being the Mm -hmm. first person on Twitter to screenshot the page and submit it using hashtag Marvel's pull list and tagging us both on Twitter. But they got it first. They thought it was going to be in Savage Avengers number two, which like it sounds sounds like it could be. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it was in Marauders. I love speculation too. So th- that's that's always super fun. So thank you, Evil Space Cow, for uh coming in and getting that one. We also had a couple emails. We had one from Mitch Krumputic, who was a little bit late, but still, Mitch, thank you for getting it, finding it, and uh sending us a note because I, I like this one because Mitch says I asked my wife where she thought the quote from this week would be, and she correctly guessed in Marauders. So I suppose the shout out this week should go to Denise Krumputich. Heck so, yeah. Thanks, yeah. Denise. Thank you, Denise. I like that. You know, bring your partner into it. Bring your friends into this. Let's all have a little search party Make here. everybody read comics. Yes. I mean, that's that's the goal, friends. Obviously. That's the goal. We have an email here from Kellen Blair. Kellen says, hello, Ryan and Jasmine. Huge fan of you both, the show, and of course, all things Marvel. I started listening to the podcast last fall and haven't missed an episode since. This message is mostly for Jasmine because I was reminded in this past week's episode that you live in Chicago. I do. Yeah. And so uh, Kellen says, although I actually live in New York City, I'm here in Chicago this summer working on a new show. I've been working with Universal Pictures to turn their sci-fi classic It Came From Outer Space, one of Ray Bradbury's big movie credits, into a new musical comedy. Ooh. I might have to check this show out. I, I love a good musical. Me too. We uh, we also had some tweets come in. I wanted to make sure we shouted out uh, Lex Pendragon, the tech lord, who you know was talking about how recently my household has great airflow, and his in Pittsburgh does as well. And it's I will say that today it is a swamp in New York City, and Ooh. it is real brutal. So nothing's going to help aside from a little of the old AC. Uh, Still waiting on mine to be fixed, so I'm jealous. 
Techlord says, the way Jasmine describes the kiss in X Factor reminds me of Tara and Willow's first kiss in a story that is largely unrelated on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, we got a tweet from Karis Pollard who said, although it felt like it could have been in Thor, I don't think I found the dragon in a jar quote um <laughs> unless that uh ryan and jasmine accept a homemade version and karis drew a really great picture of a dragon in a jar that dragon looks ticked off i love this picture i it's want a so t-shirt good. yeah um and then shout out of course to lex and meg and everybody else who um has noticed my cameo in marvel studios Ms. marvel thank you all i mean it's not that big of a deal but sure yeah. kind of cool i guess it's um, pretty all right. cool what is our award name for this week Ooh, okay so we did some searching mm-hmm. i tossed out a couple different options but i think we landed on a good one this week's award name is the i'm getting real tired of infinity stones and cosmic cubes award it's a good one it's we had a, a bunch one. of really great options but this one was just like you know what it's a fun one. And, it's a fun uh, one. We're sticking with it. So if you find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at Marvel.com. Let us know it is okay to read in your email or tweet. And if you're among the first, you know, keep your DMs open, watch your emails. I'll hit you back. All right. Let's get ready to give this award out, Ryan. I think that is a spectacular idea. I'm going to start us off with Ben Riley, Spider-Man number five. Again, this is like an era of Spider-Man comics. I don't know. I think I've talked about that previously. I'm not super duper familiar, but uh, I want to just give my I'm getting real tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to Spider-Side. I think I gave it to him previously. I love this character. I was a huge fan of this character. I got more of this character in this issue. He's a blast. I, I really, really dug it. And it's this is there's an it's an emotionally resonant issue. J.M. Uh, Demetrius does a great bit. There's a one sequence with a whole bunch of panels in it, which I was like, there's drama and sadness and horror all in one little sequence. It's it's real cool. Heck yeah! All right, next up we have Fantastic Four number forty four. I gotta give the I'm getting real tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to Dan Slott because this issue of Fantastic Four, like I mean, obviously he's been writing this whole Reckoning War arc and this issue really felt like a movie to me. Like it has huge stakes and we start to see some of the beginning threads of like from the beginning of the arc start to pay off. We see like a lot of these different plans getting executed. We get to see like the result of them. We get to see all these characters coming together finally for the big battle and it's crushing. Huge stakes lead to huge consequences. So Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see what comes next. Yeah. Uh, real quick, wanted to make note that Hulkling and Wiccan uh, number one is out this week, and it is a print version, a an adaptation of the Infinity Comics series that was the Hulkling and Wiccan series that we talked about just a couple weeks ago on our reading club. So if you want our deeper thoughts on that, you can definitely check it out. But it is super terrific. I'm going to give, of course, the I'm Getting Real Tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to all the smooching in this book. It is a smooch-tastic ride. Wait, you're not going to give it to the final page reveal that's different than the Infinity comic. Is it really? It's not It's not the story, but there is a splash page at the very end of this that got me real excited. Oh, I did not notice that. It says Hulkling and Wiccan will return for more adventures by Josh Trujillo and Toki Tokoro. Oh, and it's got some designs here. Yep. Are you as hyped as I am now? Uh, Yeah, 
I, ah. I didn't get there. My goodness. Coming soon to Marvel Unlimited. We did it, y'all. We did it, guys. It. Good job. All right. That's USA. a wrap on pull list. We did all our... We finally <laughs> no, achieved no, it. No, no, no. No? We've got more books. Okay. That's right. Because next book is Iron Fist, number four. And when we talked to Alyssa Wong about this book before on one of our past reading clubs, like I, I immediately brought up all the, the previous lore that was established with Ling Ling. And... I was like, okay, like we've heard about Swordmaster. Now he's Iron Fist. How does all his previous stuff fit into his current lore? And this issue starts to bring in a lot more of that. Not only do we get his brother, but we also get one of my favorite characters from Swordmaster, which is Shwang Shwang. And like, oh, I was so pumped to see her come into this book and like does not skip a beat. Like I'm so excited to see what Alyssa Wong does with this new character in the mix now. So very pumped. Yeah. All right, up next is Iron Man number 20. And there, there's a, I'm not going to spoil what goes on in this. I'm just going to say that I want to give my I'm Getting Real Tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to Chet the Gorilla, the new character find That's of it. this week. That's all I'll leave you with for this one. Perfect. All right, up next is the Marvels number 11, the penultimate issue of this limited series. But the big thing that happened at the end of last issue was like, it was it got set in a weird comic book shop and I loved it. It was mm-hmm. so bonkers. Uh, so we pick that up here. I'm going to give my I'm getting real tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to uh, just the comic within the comic, which I thought was real neat. It's a fun device in this issue. Next up, we have Moon Knight, Black, White and Blood number two. And OK, I got really hyped about this first story in this book because it's titled The Empty Tomb and it's by Benjamin Percy and the person who I'm going to give my I'm getting really tired of these Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to Vanessa R. Del Rey, who has an incredible art style. It's very intricate. It's very gritty. The reason why I really, really resonated with me was because I've been recently reading a lot of old school Marvel horror. I'm thinking like chillers or I'm thinking of like I was reading a bunch of old Tigra stuff. It's very much in the same type of style where it's like very gritty, very noir, very dark. And I mean that literally, like it's so fascinating how she's able to kind of create these intricate backgrounds, but also tell such a fascinating story. And like, it doesn't get any better than Moon Knight inside of the Sanctum Sanctorum with Doctor Strange. She gets my award. This was a ding dang delight. A triple D, Ryan. Mm -hmm. All right. We've got Savage Spider-Man number four out this week, and I'm going to give my... I'm getting real tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes Award to naked, logical Peter Parker just swinging around, doing like geometry and thinking about ways to beat Baron Zemo. Um, he's, I'll be honest, he's not naked enough in this book, but he's definitely naked for like the first <laughs> five pages. And it's it's funny. It's fun. Uh, and then he actually has a, a new costume in this mm-hmm. issue, which looks rad. Gerardo Sandoval did a good job on that one. Speaking of rad costumes, next up we have Spider-Gwen, Gwen verse number three. And I want to give my, I'm getting real tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes awards to Jody Nishijima, who creates a very interesting take on the new Gwen Stacy variant that we see in this issue, which is an Iron Man variant. The reason for it is because it's not just, you know, your your typical Iron Man suit doesn't look like rescue, doesn't look like Ironheart. It's very like, manga-esque like we're, we're talking like it's very Gundam-esque in in its style but it like I just love the fact that she has a a clear helmet so you can see her face inside of it 
it looks like Daft Punk helmet almost, but instead of having like an LCD face, it's all clear. So big fan. All right, we have Spider-Man 2099 Exodus number two. Uh, we're getting, we're still rolling on this uh, Spider-Man 2099 train, but it really, it, this issue focuses on the two characters I'm giving my I'm Getting Real Tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to Loki and a Valkyrie. I, I guess I should say a Loki and a Valkyrie because this is a different timeline thought process, but the Loki of it all, I was like, oh man, I love you, Loki. Good job on the on the Lokiing Steve Orlando, the writer here. All right, next up we have Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 24, and I want to give my I'm getting real tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cubes award to Valance for best use of a speeder. Mm-hmm. All right, last new book of the week is What If Miles Morales number four. This is uh, another in the series of, you know, what if uh, looking at different universes in which Miles became a different superhero. Uh, this one is What If Miles Morales Became Thor? And I'm going to give my I'm Getting Real Tired of Infinity Stones and Cosmic Cube Awards to casting Uncle Aaron as Loki. Yes. He, he looks so cool. So He's cool. got a vibe. There's just like, yeah, it works really, really well. It works really well. Also, can I give a consolation prize to Thor Miles' arms? He's looking real thick and good right there. Right. Just, he swings that hammer. And yeah. It, the first shot, it's great. The first panel of the book is miles and he's a little bit older in this he's yeah. not like he's not like 14 he's probably like early 20s but he's like pulling down his shirt and it's just like abs exploding and his arms are like tree trunks he just yeah ripped ripped all right so that's all we have for fabulous fresh floppies this week coming to marvel unlimited we have some new infinity comics hitting uh, the digital platform we have x-men unlimited infinity comic number 39 marvel's voices Iceman Infinity Comic number three. We also got Love Unlimited, Ms. Marvel, and Red Dagger Infinity Comic number two, which is under the new love track that Marvel is going to be publishing uh, books under, which I'm really excited because I love a good romance comic. We couldn't talk about it last week when the first issue came, but if you haven't read it yet, I'll give you the quick description for the series. Romance and heartbreak, tension and drama, angst and elation, Love Unlimited has it all. This Infinity comic series dives deep into the lives and loves of some of Marvel's most swoon-worthy characters and relationships, from delightfully dreamy to spectacularly sultry. Love Unlimited has a story for everyone. Fall head over heels with Love Unlimited. Yes, and there's so many more books coming soon, yeah. and I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, one of them is Millie the Model. And plus, there's a bunch more coming down uh, the pipeline as well, including uh, a Viv Vision or story. And we have a Millie the Spy. Yeah. Which okay. I'm I've... very excited because it's giving very Dakota North. Always back to Dakota North. Look, I, I love Dakota North, okay? I'm, I'm This is my new agenda. Let's keep it rolling. The last one also this week is Alligator Loki Infinity Comic number eight. And also on Marvel Unlimited this week, we've got Captain Carter number one, Punisher number one. Eternals number 10. Oof. Yeah, Eternals number 10 was terrific. Lots of Star Wars, a great issue of Strange Academy, and so much more. You can find the full list of all the books on Marvel Unlimited on marvel.com or, you know, just like subscribe, look in the app, check them out. 
It's great. Yes. And then we have our collections that are hitting shelves at your local comic shop, uh, including Avengers Forever Volume 1, The Lords of Earthly Vengeance, and Black Panther by John Ridley Volume 1, The Long Shadow, which highly recommend. Those will both be on my shelves, as well as a bunch of omnibuses, including Conan the Barbarian, the original Marvel years, Miles Morales, Savage Sword of Conan, the original Marvel years, and then we have Thor by Jason Aaron, the omnibus, and X-Men Avengers Onslaught, the omnibus. Yeah. All right, now it is time for our reading club. Once again, we are talking with Josh Trujillo, who is the writer of the Hulkling and Wiccan comic we talked about earlier, um, Mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. also is one of the co-creators of Aaron Fisher, the Captain America of the Railways. And so we are going to be talking about United States of Captain America with Josh right now. All right, Ryan. Yes. Are you excited? We're going to be Very. talking about mm-hmm. the United States of Captain America. There's mm-hmm. lots of Captain Americas in this book, like at least 20. Mm. I didn't but count them, but you know. There is one particular Captain America that is introduced to us in this first issue that is co-created by one Josh Trujillo, and he is here with us to talk about it today. Hey, Josh. Hi. How's it going? Happy Pride. Happy yeah, yeah, Pride. Yeah. Woo! So excited. We are here to talk about the United States of Captain America with Josh Trujillo. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying uh, Pride. Yesterday was the West Hollywood Pride, which is one of the bigger ones. And it was just a nice, peaceful, fun time. You know, I'm a little sunburnt, but that's the way to do it. All right. We are talking about United States of Captain America. But before we get into that, Josh, what's your history with comics? Did you grow up reading comics? You know, did you have a local comic shop when you were younger? Did you pick them up when you got into like, college or whatever? What was yeah. it for you? Um, so I guess my like love affair with comics started with kind of daily comic strips. So like Garfield, Calvin and Hobbes, The Far Side. And like what I would do, I would trace over Garfield strips and reorganize them to make my own Garfield comics. And that's like some of my earliest memories of drawing and making my own comics. But then I like fell in love with superheroes. There's, oh gosh, I don't know what issue it is, but there's an Incredible Hulk where the Hulk and Spider-Man team up in like the Midwest. And for me, this was like the biggest thing because I didn't know you could have two superheroes in the same comic book. So I felt like I was getting a value. And just like, I love that like cross-pollination. I love seeing unexpected characters interact with each other. Um, and so from then I started to create my own superheroes. Like I think everyone around that age does. Also, this is like the height of 90s. So like everything's like a foil cover and like 500 cover. It was a beautiful time to love comics and go into the comic book shop. And it felt like every day a huge event was happening. 2099 was a big formative thing for me. That's where it all started. And I just wanted to continue working and making my own comics. Um, I realized really early that I'm not an artist, but I'm a better writer than I am an artist. So uh I've kind of been just honing my craft and I've been so lucky to get to work on some amazing characters and titles. That's awesome. I know you've worked on a ton of different series throughout the years. As soon as you go onto your website, you just see nothing but like little tiles of all the stuff that you've worked on. And it is so fascinating to see all the different things and projects because it's not just comic books. You've also written video games. Um, you've written some like tabletop type characters. I've done a little bit of everything and I do kind of queer nonfiction, queer history. Mm-hmm. So I about the real Captain Americas out there who we may not know about. 
That's awesome. One of the reasons why you picked this story was because one of the characters that you co-created, did that, I guess, meld or shape the, the type of character that you wanted to create and story that you wanted to tell here? Like that history that you have? Yeah, I think so. You know, Aaron is definitely like a child of many parents. It's me, Christopher Cantwell, who's the main writer for the United States of Captain America series. And then Jan Bazaldua, the really talented artist who we collaborated on the design for Aaron. It was really important for me to create like a character that kind of stood out from the pack in terms of what he was bringing in terms of representation. And I wanted someone who was cool and exciting and a little bit daring and different. And so that's kind of like the core genesis of Aaron. You know, there's a lot more to him than just the overalls. <laughs> Shall we get into the series now? Yeah. We're talking Let's about United States of Captain America. It was a five-issue limited series. Gosh, was this two years ago? One year ago. It's just, One year ago. Time wow. does not make any Here. sense. Holy moly. One year ago, written by Christopher Cantwell on um, the core stories, penciled by Dale Eaglesham in one, two, three, and five, and the mighty Ron Lim on issue number four. Cam Smith, Scott Hanna, and Dale doing inks, colors by Matt Mila, lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna. And um, when I was rereading it for this, I was like, I don't remember it opening and like having this really contemplative, quiet opening that it kind of does you get Steve Rogers sort of just like thinking and talk, you know, by himself before all the, the chaos begins. And I like that kind of vibe to kick off a story, you know, about one of our most recognizable and sort of big action heroes. Yeah. It's really cool to like get in Steve's head a little bit. Um, and you know, like he's a character that is kind of like confronted with the realities of our world a lot more than maybe other heroes. And that like he represents America. And so he always in some way has to respond and, and lead by example to whatever crisis America is facing at the time. And you see that whether it's World War II or, or modern struggles. And so I really liked kind of what Christopher wrote as like that opening like preamble almost to like setting the stage of like what the stakes are and where America is as he sees it. Not only do we get that preamble that you're talking about, Josh, but also like the story like throughout plays with iconography a lot. The main thing is happening is essentially the Smithsonian's reached out to Captain America about essentially letting them borrow his shield to display for a new exhibit um, that's going to be displayed alongside a bunch of other iconography. So it's an exhibit called Americans Who Fight, and right off the bat, Steve isn't too happy with the type of event that this is, but he recognizes what imagery and symbolism his shield brings to the table alongside Abe Lincoln's hat, Harvey Milk's bullhorn, Rosa Parks' handmade dress, and to kind of immediately put it up there with all these other like historical figures who have like fought for civil rights was very powerful. As the story continues, we, we see how not only is that, that shield uplifting, but it can also be used with the wrong people. Like it could be, like they could change the definition of what that shield means because so many people recognize it and identify with it and identify it for different reasons. So I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, and there's like this, like, I guess that's kind of, the crux of the whole miniseries, right? Where Christopher <laughs> is like, the shield's power is as a symbol and it can be used kind of twisted or subverted for kind of nefarious purposes as it does in the story. But also in the story, it inspires like this whole new generation of heroes and people to stand up. And so it's kind of like, um, what does the shield represent? Does it represent power and like, uh, maybe even like authority to some degree? Or is it like heart and humanity and empathy? 
And I think definitely we kind of established that it's the latter. There's a moment where Steve and Sam are talking about wearing the costume and why it's important that they still wear the costume while they're on this mission. Because like at one point, I think Sam's like, don't you think that this is going to be a little bit confusing if we're fighting Captain America or a guy dressed as Captain America who has stolen this shield as Captain America? If we're wearing the suits too, like, don't you think it'll cause any more issues? And Cap's like, no, like people need to see that, you know, like this is what Captain America stands for. And again, it goes back to that like imagery and like the iconography and how important it is to just uphold what like the true Captain America means. Yeah. And like, I, I love like the whole, like the hook of the shield being stolen mm-hmm. uh, and kind of like that mystery unfolding of like, who is this other Captain America? Mm-hmm. We deal with a lot of like classic Cap villains in this. I love the idea of someone kind of subverting the idea of Captain America for kind of their nefarious purposes. It really lets you examine like what Captain America's whole deal is. Which is something that, like, uh, before this, the Todd and Hasty Coates run does really effectively, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that I wanted to touch on was tied to what you were saying, Josh, of this imposter Captain America, the visual of this Captain America. And for those who have not yet read the story, go read it. We're going to be spoiling bits and pieces of the oh, yeah. story. That's what we do on the show. Please go read it on Marvel Unlimited, get the collection, whatever works for you. But you've got this speedster with Captain America's shield wearing Cap's costume. It's such a weird visual and I love it so much because it's just, we don't see that for whatever reason, every time I look at it, whether it was this time or when I originally read it, there's a sense of, of movement and speed that I don't always get with speedsters. It just feels like, I don't know, because the shield is there and that you, you feel that momentum in a, in a way, and I, I guess Dale Eaglesham and, and Ron Lim, they're pretty great at doing comics, so they <laughs> convey that very, very well. I just love those visuals of the speedster cap. It's fun. Absolutely. So this issue closes out with Steve and, and Sam Wilson both agreeing to go on this mission to track down the shield. Um, but before the issue closes, we get a short story called Tracks that's written by you, Josh, um, with art by Jan Bazaldua, um, like you mentioned earlier, and colors by Matt Mila. Do you want to talk about this story and how this short story came to be? Uh, yeah. So um, I was approached by my amazing editor, Alana Smith, and um, she was kind of getting this whole United States of Captain America project off the ground. And they wanted people with different creative voices to kind of help mold this new generation of caps. So my first mindset was I wanted to do a queer Captain America. I wanted to do someone who's maybe a little more grounded. You know, mm-hmm. I write uh, Hulkling and Wiccan, and those are kind of cosmic. They exist in the superhero world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They deal with, like, Dormammu. Aaron Fisher does not deal with that. He deals with, <laughs> you know, like... I mean, Greek. I feel like he could. He could. He, he could totally take on Dormammu. And I'm yet <laughs> He also can like, you know, he can help the innocent and he can help maybe more street level villains and foes in that way. He's kind of a victim of circumstance too. being a queer uh, runaway. He had a hard life leading into this story, but he still maintains so much optimism. And I hope that's kind of inspiring about it. In this story in particular, as you said, you know, he's looking for these missing queer youth that have been kind of displaced from their settlement, basically. And he does a little detective work and he finds out that Roxxon, like the classic Captain America evil corporation, is, is involved with it. So 
he gets tangled up in this in this mess and ends up becoming a prisoner alongside the people he was meant to help. And so from there, he kind of like gets inspired by Cap. He takes on his mantle himself and he kicks butt in a way that only Captain America can. But I guess it's also worth noting that he's not just inspired by Steve. In particular, I wanted him to be inspired by Sam. Uh, and you know that idea that anyone can be Captain America. I think that's maybe like a new invention. And that's something that we started to see with Sam Wilson and then later Bucky. That idea that it is a mantle and it's important that it's shared. I'm glad that you brought up Sam Wilson of it all because it's not even the second page where he's already talking about his love of Captain America. And when you get to that panel where he's like looking at that mural, you've seen that panel so many times with other different types of mantle sharing heroes where they see their their hero or their like their idol. Like you would immediately imagine it being Steve Rogers, but it's not. It's Sam Wilson. And I love seeing that. Yeah, and Sam's definitely a character who's like evolved a lot over the years. And um, him becoming Captain America, I remember really resonated with me, um, seeing him like become of this this new wave of kind of Marvel heroes, him and Jane Foster Thor. It felt like a big changing of the guard moment. And I wanted to kind of recognize how powerful that moment was by having Eric inspired by Sam. Because I'm inspired by Sam. I also, I wanted to just say that I think it's, unfortunate that we're we're still at the point where it means a lot and it's necessary but like having a big captain america number one issue end with two guys kissing is great and like it's 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 important and you know i think more of that hopefully and it won't necessarily be a thing that we have to like be like hey that's great that's huge it's just a thing but you know a number of people who maybe don't think about that at all in their lives or witness that or have experience with that will pick have picked this book up and it's just something new for them so it's good yeah i will say that marvel has been nothing but supportive about aaron fisher and his romances so yeah just ending it with like a big romantic kiss at the end was really amazing as you know from hopefully and wiccan i love a gay kiss (laughs) yes smooch fest same um, as we go through the uh, the the caps, sort of run into some cops who <laughs> they have another Captain America in their cells, and I just love the the police station scene as a whole, but particularly Sam just getting fed up. That shot, that big splash page of Sam tossing this piece of trash officer over a desk through a like a you know some doors. It is terrific and steve and sam after that and steve's like probably better treatment than he would have gotten from the shield thief and he's just like finding a little lining in that thing and then he's like feel free to file a report yeah. it's just a tiny little thing it's a lot of fun get good vibes we're introduced to another new captain america yeah i want to talk about michelle wright she yes. is she is a total badass hero she's fighting the good fight for her community. And she has this line that I really like. It's like, for me, like the whole miniseries, right? Where she's like, the captains take the idea of you and make it real for the people. Mm. And the people you don't have time to think about. And I think that really echoes kind of what Aaron's story is too. And it's like, I think that's something that Michelle and Aaron really share. And she even like mentions like, uh, at the end of her issue, it's kind of like, tell Aaron I said, hi, he's a good kid. So I love that they have like this like friendship as well. Well, they're on texting terms yeah. too, which I thought was really sweet. 
But as we move along issue number two, we also get introduced to like, we get to see the baddies, like the bad guys a little bit closer up. We we get to see uh, Superior, who is really just Cynthia, Cynthia uh, Schmidt. Is that their last name? Yeah. Johann Schmidt and Cynthia Schmidt. Yes. Yeah. The Red AKA Skull's daughter. Mother Superior, as she was first introduced. Is that, yes. Is that good and offensive enough to yes, make fun of very... dumb Nazis? Good. Yes. Anytime we can make fun of Nazis, it's good. And then we also get the reveal that imposter Captain America is actually Speed Demon, which is was a really weird reveal for me. But then I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Like later on as we get further along in the story. But we have these Captains America fighting these these two Nazis. And then we get the split, which I think this was a fascinating thing in this issue where we get Nichelle who's like, no, I'm going on my own. Like you guys take care of this. Like you were talking about that, Josh, where she, she's like, you guys have like you know, the Red Skull and all this other stuff. Like, I got to take care of the people that you aren't paying attention to. Like, so you guys can keep along with this much mission. I'm going to do my thing. And that we get that as we go into her own solo so- story, uh, where we get to learn a lot more about her. Move yeah, just shout bit. out to uh, Mohale Mashigo and Natasha Bustos on that story. There's some really beautiful stuff that Natasha does, you know, incorporating uh, Nichelle's gymnastics into it. And there's, I really love the the page of of her sort of getting, receiving the videos of support from people that that was really special. And it's, it's not like a broad wide scale thing. It's like, it's a very deeply personal thing. And a sort of, again, these reminders, however they come in for these characters. Yeah. And there's a moment in that page where um, there's a black trans woman who says that Michelle is always looking out for her. And I thought that was really powerful and it's a subtle moment, you know, um, Michelle's looking out for her entire community. Like, yeah, she even says, like, thanks for looking out for me and my girls. And I'm like, love it. As we wrap up, we get into issue number three, where we once again have Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson on the tales of Speed Demon and Sin. They're both riding their motorcycles. I also really, like, we didn't talk about this earlier, but I do like the, like, the contrast between their two motorcycles. I think it's really funny. I got to read some of these scripts before they were drawn and the amount of detail describing these motorcycles, you would not believe. Really? This is... Christopher Cantwell, like he really cleverly found a way to infuse so much personality. Like yeah. You said, in what vehicles they're on. Yeah. Shout out to Dale Englishman because motorcycles are really hard to draw. <laughs> I can imagine. I wanted to talk about the fact, and I think it's one of the biggest things in this book that I'm glad wasn't, wasn't overlooked, which is Isaiah Bradley, in the moment where Steve and Sam both meet in the show where she brings him up. So I like that it wasn't something that was overlooked. Like, it is taken into consideration to the story. Um, and as we get into issue number three, we meet another hero who is a construction worker by day um, and a Captain America by night. But we have Joe Gomez who gets introduced in this book. And then like, it's really fun because we get to see both Steve and Sam at their home talking to him prior to him revealing that he's a Captain America. But then taking him to like a room full of just like Captain America like merch which I thought was really, really cute. And like for him to kind of just be like, yeah, like you are an inspiration. Like here's all of our stuff that reminds me of you. And like Cap is just like overwhelmed. You can tell he's just like, whoa, like all of this just for me, like. And the story by um, Darcy Little Badger is so good. Joe Gomez, where Joe takes on uh, Bulldozer, I want to say from the Russian group. Yes. Yeah, Bulldozer. And um, I, you know, uh, in my story, Aaron's just fighting, he's fighting some guards, right? And uh, I love that Darcy's like, my Captain America is going to take on a Thor-level threat. Yeah. yeah. 
I love that story. It's art by uh, David Cutler, inks by Roberto Poggi. Um, again, Matt Mila just doing wonderful work throughout. There's a shot of Joe sort of walking on this piece of construction way up in the air, and he's he's sort of balancing. I thought it's a great job of providing a sense of scale and and, and danger for someone who is, you know, again like our captains um, that we're meeting for the first time here, just putting themselves on the line, and they are regular people who are inspired and doing cool things and in the main story we get joe sort of dancing around like oh we we kind of met before don't worry about it don't worry about it he's like so sweet and so humble humble about it and yeah he's he's great he's um he's a native american captain america from the kickapoo tribe there's some wonderful stuff about him and and incorporating that culture and that heritage into his uh, his look and his story yeah i freaking love him Yes. And also, we get, this is the issue that introduces Bucky into the fold. So like another former Captain America into the group and into the mix of this this story. But as we move on to issue number four, we're still in Colorado, but now we're at an annual Kickapoo powwow. I think what was really interesting about this scene is that like Steve Rogers pulls away and it's just like, this is really fun. And I enjoy this, but I, I don't want to draw too much attention away from what's actually happening here. And like, it's just like a, a thing, like a small little thing that one moves the story along, but two is important. It's just like, I don't need to be the, the center of attention here. Like, I don't need to draw away from what's actually going on here. And it's a culture. Like, it's, there's a culture. They're doing their own celebratory festivities. And like, Captain America doesn't need to like co-op that. We've met Sin and we've met Speed Demon, but there we, we find out that there's a person who's at the top of all of this. Um, and it's Warrior Woman, a.k.a. Commander Krieger. Oh, it's Commander Krieger, big old that's dumb e- Nazi lady. That's exactly what she sounds like yep. when she pops in. Mm-hmm. They essentially want to break out Hatemonger, who is this like... He is basically the the like psychic embodiment of yes. Hitler. But all that said, we also get one of my favorite bits is just like the Aaron and uh, Ariel team up. I know that they're like... They just listened to Hamilton three times on their no, drive. No, six times. Six yeah. times, yes. which is, that's 18 hours. Yeah. Well, they drove all that's the way from lot. Brooklyn. That's a lot. That's so much. But I also want, like, I want interstitials of what their road trip is like. The little conversations between, you know, the sobbing that they have in the middle of, of uh, towards the end of Hamilton. What are they talking <laughs> about? What's that? What What is their road trip like? Because I love them together. That must have been. Fun for you, Josh, seeing, you know, Aaron interacting with more of these characters. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't uh, necessarily expecting Aaron to pop up in issue four. So it was a huge treat to me. And also, like, Christopher really established this friendship immediately between Ariel and Aaron. And it's so funny because I think by virtue of us both being a part of this miniseries, Ariel's writer, Alyssa Wong, and I have a little, have a friendship too. We love our little, our little cats. I love it. Please give us this road trip series. Like, I, that's all I want now. We get a big fight scene uh, towards the end of the story, as well as get U.S. agent John Walker added into the fold, which is amazing because he's Steve meets him at a bar. He's hammered. Um, he even starts to complain about not being able to ride his motorcycle. And they're like, you're drunk. Like, no, um, you're not allowed to do that. As well as like Aaron Fisher. And we have Sam and Ariel like in their car behind them, like driving behind the, the motorcycles. And like, essentially meet up with the bad guys at Fort Nora. And we get one last character that gets introduced here um, that is going to be playing an important role before we move on to the final issue 
Um, and before that, the short story with Ariel. Um, and that is Captain Jeremy Merrick, who will shortly become the Captain America Protector of Soldiers, um, which I th thought was really fascinating too. I like it that these, like, like Joe, it goes back to what you were saying that you highlighted that piece where it's like, these are Captain Americas that are dealing with the everyday, like the stuff that like Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson aren't dealing with in like the small pockets across the country. It's a really fun story, but also mm -hmm. big heart to it. You know, Ariel's um, protecting a friend of hers who was kind of abused by this complete monster of a, of a, mm -hmm. a college student. And so she uh, she goes on her little caper and she's not going to let anyone stop her, like regardless of how like well-connected this guy is, you know, she is going to do the right thing. And there's like, I think the best panel in that story, I think you all know which one I'm talking about, is where she kicks the guy exactly where she should kick him. He's like, oh, you're trying to be Captain America. And she's like, no, I've always been more of a Bucky girl. Yeah. I love the idea that she, she fights a little dirty, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I love that the character that she sticks up to is not only like this bully and like the person who abused her friend and roommate, but also like it's again, it goes back to that, like that, like fighting against like an establishment or like fighting against a corporation where it's like, here's a, a star like lacrosse player of a college university whose parents have donated like millions of money to the campus um, where he's pretty much like untouchable because he can make things go away or his parents can make things go away. No problem. And like, she still doesn't care. Like she still finds a way to stick it to him and, you know, take care of her friends and really bring about justice, barely. Before we finish with this issue, I also wanted to point out Ron Lim on art here. No, it was such a thrill to see Aaron get drawn by not just yeah, Aaron, but also Ron and Jan, of course. But like, yeah, what a trio. Like I'm over the moon about that. Hell yeah. And then uh, as we get to the end of this book, uh, we're in issue number five, and we're at uh, the story takes place in Avengers Academy, which I love because Avengers Academy is in LA, but it's the former West Coast Avengers headquarters. And like, that's where it's just, it's just been left as Avengers Academy, like because we haven't touched West Coast Avengers headquarters uh, in a while. Um, it's currently shuttered. It's in LA. Uh, they're all hanging out. Uh, Speed Demon is now on their side. We we learned that he was brainwashed. And so like he wasn't actually a Nazi. He was just kind of brainwashed by Nazis and being used by them. Essentially, we see U.S. agent doing what he does best, which is interrogate and get information from Sin. What ends up happening is we get a breakout from Sin as she tricks Speed Demon into essentially letting her out, even though Speed Demon was mocking her for being trapped. No, poor Speed Demon. He just does not get a break. Uh... No this miniseries meanwhile we have bucky he's still in his winter soldier gear out with he's with ariel and they're helping out the the family of jeremy merrick because they start to realize that okay he might be a target for uh hate monger since he was the guard that was watching over hate monger all this time but as they start to figure out what the plan is from steve rogers and company he starts to put one and one together and he's starting to realize that they're something's off like something doesn't seem right um, and his gut instinct ends up being right because the lighthouse is a trap. These three caps are saved by Bucky and Ariel. And Bucky is now in his Captain America suit, um, the one that he wore when he took over the mantle, which I thought was really sweet to see him finally don the suit. Yeah, and Ariel totally gets her hero moment of skydiving alongside Captain America. Right? So cool. Yeah. You do get that double page splash, all the captains together. One of the things I love is like, 
yeah, you've met a whole bunch of these great Captains America, but here's a whole bunch more that, hey, maybe someday we'll get the stories for. It gets your like imagination running on who they are, what their stories are, where they fit into everything. It really builds that network that is mm-hmm. established in this. Yeah, Aaron comes in in the nick of time with the reinforcement caps and there's like 20 of them, right? There's like business suit cap, there's like NFL players. <laughs> there's like, it looks like kind of like a motorcycle daredevil costume cap. Yeah. Yeah. The big sort of finale of that whole scene is an Aaron moment where he gets to address the world and be like, hey, some people may hate us, this is the world, but we're here. This is America. We're trying to like represent all kinds of people. It's it's a really sweet moment and a fun moment. And he does it with a smile on his face, that, that well of positivity that I was talking about earlier. It's totally like he encapsulates what the whole miniseries is about, right? And also like, you know, he's hit, he hit the big leagues now. The whole world knows about him as Captain America. And like, what does that mean for him? This was fun. I'm glad that you, you picked this to reread because I think I got a, a really good kick out of it the second time around. Yeah, Christopher told like a really great story that I think like this was also for Cap's 80th birthday, I think. Mm-hmm. So it like, you know, it is kind of like the anniversary celebration of all things Cap. Ah, uh, this was so much fun. Thank you, Josh, for coming in and chatting with us. Appreciate oh, of it. course, anytime. Always happy to talk comics and Aaron Fisher specifically. And not just Aaron Fisher, but Wiccan and Hulkling because the physical copy of the comic book, um, the Infinity comic, is coming out this week. So definitely be sure to check that out. Yeah, I'm so excited that uh, people get to read it and print for the first time. You know, I love these characters dearly, and I love kind of the obstacles they have to overcome. And we get to introduce some new exciting characters that I, I think that readers will really resonate with. Uh, definitely pick it up. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find more about you? Sure. Um, you can follow me on social media at Lost His Keys Man. Lost His Keys Man. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mostly just tweet about comics and pictures of my dog. Same. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you again for having me. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Josh. Thanks once again to Josh Trujillo. Uh, this was super fun. I love talking about Captain America and especially Aaron Fisher. I hope to see more of him later on. But yeah, really great time. Indeed. And that is a wrap for us. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk-Allison. Jill Duboff is our director of audio. Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List senior manager of audio production and development. And he has christened himself the Captain America of the overalls because he's now a farmer. For whatever reason, he decided to just like give up most of his podcasting duties, become a farmer. And when you do that, it's by law. You have to have a pair of overalls. It is like he he completely got rid of his entire closet. We actually this is the last episode where you'll hear uh, Brad in the credits credited as the Polis senior manager of audio and production. He will now be known as the senior producer of farming and overalls. Congratulations, Brad. You did dare to dream. Love this for you, Brad. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.